Director Wes Anderson released The Grand Budapest Hotel in 2014 to critical acclaim and mainstream adoration. While filmgoers enjoyed the lush colors and sleek one-point perspective of the film, its story of nation-states, war, and displacement struck an even deeper chord against the societal backdrop of the Syrian refugee crisis. While at first glance the film may appear to be an aesthetic experience or directorial eye candy, what is found beneath is a tale about the events that change our world, how they shape who we are, and what we tell others about them. Why do we remember what we remember from the stories of our lives? When war breaks out, how does it change the space surrounding it? What happens to us when returning home is no longer an option? Today in the community garden, we're gathering in the black forest of Zubrauka to talk about the Grand Budapest Hotel. What's your name? Uh, they call me Dirty Doms. And you're listening to the Community Garden Podcast. And yeah, today we're talking about the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay, so here's the icebreaker. In brief, what's a story of like, it could be any situation, that you was just with your homie and you was like, fuck. I don't know how we got out of that. <laughs> in in brief though. Okay, go first. Go first. Uh, shit, I got too many. <laughs> well, okay, it's not really. So, I didn't really get out of the situation. <laughs> okay. And uh, mom and dad, if you ever listen to this, <laughs> I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, I should have called you guys, but. I got arrested one time, and uh, I was with my homie Zach, and yeah, man, he was like, <laughs> we seen the sheriff, and we in Avondale, so it's like, weird yeah, just yeah. Like, Avondale's yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, the, I think the officer was high as fuck, but anyway, no, I think he was, his eyes was like red, it was like weird, and, uh, but no, we driving past the little store, and Zach is like, yeah. I, or I say something like, yeah, the sheriff's following us. And he's like, yeah, all right. And he's like, I should pull over and go here to the little store and we could get out. And I should have listened to Zach. <laughs> I definitely should have listened to that nigga. He was driving anyways. But we keep driving. I was like, no, nah, keep going. We keep driving. We get pulled over. And all of my supplies is out. So it's like, damn. Cause we about to have a we about to have a good day. It's a Chiefs game. Right. We about to you know burn some lettuce and <laughs> and eat some barbecue and watch the Chiefs play. As you do. And as you do. Yeah, man. I got we got pulled over. And I had all my supplies out. <laughs> and yeah, that was like the first time I got arrested. But How I never get bailed out. <laughs> my homie, my homies bailed me out. I okay. called him real niggas. Okay, dope. It, like, it wasn't Zach. And no fault to him. I just I think he he had the best idea of the whole day, but I had to call him. I had to make a couple calls like, "Yo, yeah, so this happened. I need y'all to come get me." So Cause I'm not calling mom and dad, but <laughs> it it shows you that it pays to have like friends that you call. Thanks. <laughs> like in, and it was like midday, and wood is so. But I drank beer afterwards, and I think the Chiefs lost. Uh, okay, so it was a pretty rough day. Disappointing. But, but 
I mean, given the what Gustav and Zero have to go through, it is kind of rough. But Wes Anderson tells it in a very like I can picture this whole way. story going out yeah, like you, a Wes Anderson you movie. See what I'm saying? It was like it's very that's that's what it reminds me of. But yeah, Dom's. Um, mine is also about getting caught by the cops with me. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I got out cool. Like we were up at Rockhurst. Shout out Jesuit colleges and shit. Um. We were up at Rockhurst, and we were, you know, in these girls' dorm rooms, just chilling. Had some, uh, uh, these girls had some liquor, and I had, me and my homie had some weed, and we were just, like, going chill and just have a cool little night. We were gonna throw, we were all gonna throw a movie, and just relax. It was just our friends, you know what I'm saying? No funny type business. But we were all just getting ready to be on a vibe, but then, niggas wanted to be loud. Shorties wanted to clank bottles, and the RA came and was like, oh, we heard bottles clanking. What's up? And they had all of us, like, file out, leave all our bags in the room. I had just finished rolling up a blunt, but I put that motherfucker in my journal. You know what I'm saying? There you go. And, uh, we out in the hallway. Security come in. They go out to the, uh, they go into the room, check through the bags, find weed in my bag, like, Whose weed is this? Like, it's my weed. And like, all right, you gonna take this? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and you going no? And y'all gotta leave the campus for the rest of the night. Oh shit! And we left. And I think part of it is like, one was a a black woman who was a security guard, or I mean, it wasn't. I was campus police, but like. But are they know, actually like? I don't know if they're actually like. Cops. Well, I don't know if they're cops. off-duty cops or what, because you know how like you you know how all the cops at UMKC mm-hmm. they cops. Yeah, sure. But up. they're campus police too. Okay. Maybe no, not. a lot of campuses have police stations on there. Yeah. So I, like yeah. they're just like a you branch can, that's like. So there's like in, like in Northwest. Yeah, there's like the Northwest Missouri State Police, and then there was like the police in Maryville, yeah. the Maryville police. And I don't know if this was at the time when it was being decriminalized, right? Because I only had an eighth on me. That only happened. But, Right, but I rolled. That was like a year ago. Oh, so then we didn't yeah, work nah, that time. Because it, it was like, this is like four, five years ago. Yeah. But like, that shit happened, right? I uh, had like an eighth on me, but I rolled like half of it in the blunt. So then, I ended up going home. Uh, you know, they send they send us on our, on our way. And I went home. And like two weeks later, I found in my journal that blunt that they didn't. <laughs> They didn't find it. I was like, fucking gift to myself. <laughs> yeah, that is a gift from Damn, above. Damn, I love me. That's nigga. beautiful. Fuck. And yeah, and that was, that was so, yeah, I did, I got off, I got off with that one. So shout out to, yeah, I can't believe I got out of that and didn't get arrested or something because it was before the decriminalization. And. Yeah, that would have been shitty. Yeah. You would have been. I think, I hope they smoked it. They definitely smoked it. I thought them niggas smoked it. That's how. Yeah. That was my theory the whole time. I'm like, these niggas definitely smoked that shit. It's probably just kind of weird to just get. It's gonna rot in storage. Are they gonna use it to like? Did y'all get tickets or anything? Nah, they used to get out. Tickets. Yeah, they smoked they that shit. Left. Yeah, they definitely smoked it. They, 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 you, they can't kick legal. you off campus, bro. That's bullshit. That shit they do when you get like, when they let you go. I'm when they didn't. When they didn't write you up, they just be like, 
This didn't happen. They weren't even on campus. Yeah. Now they have an alibi. They really be on that. Fuck. We well, just, right. Yeah, no, nah, I mean. <laughs> fuck is like my catchphrase. <laughs> you know how it's like, fuck them getting, like, finessing me maybe out of my weed, but shit, I'll take that over me being arrested. Y'all niggas can have that. I smoke better weed these days. <laughs> Y'all can have that, niggas. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, take, take them. Uh, mine is not police related, but the last time I went to the beach, I was in North, I think this was in North Carolina, but there was like a fucking storm coming, but we had tickets to ride this ferry out to a key and we did it anyway. And it was like my dad and my brother and myself. And we were out there in this fucking like storm hit and we were just like stranded out on this like little key. There was no ferry. And there's not any, like, structures there, like, other than, like, a dock. And, ah. like, and it was, like, a fucking storm. It was, like, crazy rain. But then this is, like, also where it's, like, weird. Because now, especially now looking back, it's a little bit younger, a little more reckless. Now I'm looking back and I'm, like, what the fuck were you doing? Because the storm was bringing up a bunch of really nice seashells. So we just started, like, collecting seashells. Like, you know, like, like oh, sick. And... <laughs> What we didn't realize is it was also bringing out like sharks and like man like I, like stingrays and shit because all the fish are going crazy so they're like hunting them because the fish are moving. Storms are hunting time. <laughs> so then there were like the, the <laughs> at least that's what happened here. But then there were like yeah I saw a fucking shark and I accidentally grabbed a stingray while I was like shelling in a storm and then honestly like then pretty much I forgot to mention this but my mom told us not to go. Mom was right. She was right. She told us not to. Like, she explicitly, like, explicitly told us, right. yeah, not to go. And then shit hit the fan. I almost got stung by a stingray. Saw a shark. Was shooting out there in the storm. We came back like soaking wet and like cold. And yeah, I really don't know how. Like looking back, I could easily just got like stung by this like stingray, and then it would just been like stranded there with no. Bread. And then the yeah, shark would have came and your ass. Right. Like I was like looking this back. Is the worst like, possible scenario. That was like a very reckless moment. I don't even get to keep this shit. And then you get struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <At the end. laughs> that's like boom, boom, boom. All three. Okay. Well, yeah, that's enough to open shark. it up. But today we're talking about Grand Budapest Hotel, where some very crazy stuff happens and they barely make it out. So, yeah. Nice. Shout out Wes Anderson. He was the director. Yes. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite movies. I Chris, really, you I had really never seen it, right? Yeah, I never seen yeah, it. Yeah, it was. I'm it really was glad you got Thoughts. Oh, I enjoyed it off rip, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I was like, this is entertaining. Like, the way it's shot is interesting, just like all the camera work and shit. And then, um, yeah, then the story is cool. It's like, it's super weird because it's like, like an extraordinary story, but like half mundane. Mm-hmm. But it's still like an extraordinary story. Like, the whole thing that happens, how it takes place. But yeah, Some wild shit happened in that motherfucker. It's like, it was like a regular setting, but we just caught him on the, on the craziest on day. day. Yeah, on the, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like some wild shit. It was yeah, like, it's like, bro, hey, th- I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? It's like, this is the day, this is the day that I told a story about 60 years later, or however yeah. long it was. Mm-hmm. Was it like 60 years? How long was it? Um, After that, New York, uh, zero was Yeah, playing. the time gap is between 1932 and... It's like 1970 something. Like, Maybe 40. like 40 years. Yeah, that's long enough though. Yeah. For me to do that. Yeah. But that's tight. 
But anyways, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, um, I'm going to read a synopsis, and throughout the synopsis, we've got questions, and we're just going to kind of go over the movie and discuss it. So, <clears throat> to start things off, a young girl visits the shrine of a renowned writer carrying a copy of his most cherished novel, The Grand Budapest Hotel. The author begins narrating as the film explores his history, prefacing with a 1985 excerpt reading before flashing back into his 1968 stay at the once grand, now drab, hotel. There he meets its owner, Zero Mustafa, who, he, uh, who invites the author to dinner to hear uh, his story coming from rags to riches. Uh, the story then cuts back to 1932, where Zero is a young and newly hired lobby boy at the prestigious Green Budapest Hotel. Um, Monsieur Gustave H., he's the concierge of the hotel, who seduces the old and wealthy clients. Among them is a 84-year-old um, woman named Madame D., and who he's had a two-decade-long affair with. So, um, then at the beginning of the film, Zero is sort of like studying under Gustave on how to be a concierge at the hotel. Mm -hmm. So, this leads me to my first question, which is, how does the timeline of the film shape the story and challenge the reliability of the varying viewpoints shown throughout the film? So, like, immediately it's like a Russian stacking doll. It's like a movie in a movie in a movie. Or a story in a story in a story. Yeah. Uh, I think it's similar to how, like, in The Shining, how it's shot is made, it's set up to where, like, you already don't know where you're going. Like, where does this lead? Yeah, it's kind of jerky. It's like around. a maze. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, all right, we're going to trick you from the jump. So, like, you already don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, especially because most of y'all going to the movie theater, like, fucking tripping balls and shit. Or, like, <laughs> drinking and watching the movie. But, like, yeah, it's just there to just throw a curve. Because it, it's a weird movie. All of it is weird. Yeah, and I think it almost is like a ec explanation for the aesthetics and sort of just like visual qualities of the film because yeah. you're hearing like a story relayed through at least two different people being like relayed to a third. So there's, it's sort of been dramatized. You don't know like 100% what's been added and what may have like changed. It's, it makes me think of like something like, makes me think of like, of being like historical though, like, generational concepts like I, I was just thinking of it like just like the idea of how stories pass down yep that that's know? exactly what yes. I was, yeah I, I completely agree with was, you. Uh, like it's just like if I tell it spoken to you then you tell it to somebody else it's mm -hmm. gonna be different and, and then, but then also just like how they get it like cause I don't remember who is that girl at the beginning we don't really know it, it's just it, someone reading the book. It looks like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Zero's girl. Oh, yeah. You had said that, that it might be like a distant relative of Zero. from Or like related to Agatha, maybe. Agatha, that's yeah. her name, Agatha. And then was, uh, she goes to get the story from him, right? It's like, from that is the book. Like the book starts off. He writes. With he writes a, a book introduction about from 1985 yeah. of him like right. That's like. Oh oh yeah, it's, it's old him. Yes. Talking about it in like a memoir. It's like the preface of a book. The yeah. preface of it is like a memoir. And then he then yes, and then like then they turn into the actual first chapter of the book, and that takes you back to, um, 1968, and then the first chapter of that 
Or, like, that's, like, the introduction of the book. There's, like, the preface, then the introduction, then chapter one is in 1932. I think that's how it's, like, shot. It's, it's like, going through the sections. 1968 the is the furthest year in the future? I thought it was 1985. No, then there's 1985. Okay, so, wait, what is 1968, though? What happened in That is when... He's actually zero talking to Zero, and they're eating dinner. Oh, that okay, okay, now I get it. Okay. Wait, that's that's what? That 1968. Okay. When he's, when the author is Zero. Yeah. And then when... And then Zero's old, and then they come back to Zero. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember, because he's, was he the... He's the old man at the beginning. He's, no, he's running the hotel. That's a big thing. He was Zero? No, not Zero's not running the hotel at the beginning of the movie. It's the author. No, he's talking to the concierge. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Okay, damn. Yeah, I know which scene you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's the talk, concierge. The guy with the cigarette. Lobby. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's the new concierge. Um, what does it say? It gets mm. deep. <laughs> yeah, I think just ah. overall it um, really makes it feel like a story. And I think that's, that's what, what lends mean. to the sort of yeah. like grand quality of the story. Because it actually is a pretty epic story, even though it is over something not about like dragons or yeah. like aliens or something like super crazy but it ultimately no, is kind it, of this grand epic story it really it, is a tense situation though yeah well yeah oh, later it's like there's like a military involved and like there's a it's bigger than them it's like a slice of the whole world yeah um but okay they're I, the microcosm Yes, yeah. exactly. It's like just this it's small slice dish. of life, yeah. and then you, then you see how that is uh, changes throughout time too, by having the different timelines. Okay, I'm gonna go on to the next section. Um, shortly after her visit, Gustave learns from Zero that Madame D has mysteriously died. He and Zero visit Schloss Lutz, her estate, to pay their respects and encounter her surviving relatives, hearing the reading of her will by her attorney, Deputy Vilmos Kovacs. Kovacs announces a recent amendment to the will which bequeaths Boy with Apple, a priceless Renaissance painting, to Gustave. Madame's son, Dimitri, is outraged and demands Gustave's arrest. Gustave and Zero leave, absconding with the painting for safekeeping. Okay, so here's my next question. From this point on, I'd say that the way that you perceive Gustave can really split. So my question is, is he the honest, knowledgeable hardworking concierge or is he more of a flirtatious dirt like daring con artist or is the truth sort of more in the middle it's definitely more in the middle yeah because sure. here's my thing i understand why niggas is like i oh, killed her but like bro you've been banging old girl for 20 years you she's coming upon that date anyway why would you mm-hmm. kill her now i almost kind of don't think you killed her because of that like why yeah, would it was you a kill 20 her year long yeah. relationship why did you kill her 10 years ago and it, you would, ki- yeah if you killed her if she 84. I mean, the only the only thing is, like, you can be like, oh, well, she was 84. Everybody would think she's going to die anyway. Yeah. But my thing is, like, she really is going to die anyway at this point. J- no. He, I and think if, she, if she already wrote, the, the only, the, I guess the only other thing is if he wrote that will. Because my thing is, if she mm. really wrote if that the will. Who, well, yeah, there's the second will. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If she really wrote that will, if she really wrote that will, then why would you even need to kill her? You just wait. She gonna die in a little bit. You might want to just give her an extra pump next time. So, in, like, the grand scheme of, mm-hmm. uh, wait, wait, what's his name again? Gustav? Yeah, Mr. Gustav. 
he he kind of has like a lonely life, a quaint life. He lives in he mm-hmm. lives in the servants' quarters, it's a very small room. So I don't I don't think he was in it for the money, because like if he was, you know, just fucking all these old ladies with money, he would be he would probably be up a little more. I think, but uh, no, I don't think he did it. I think it's definitely in the middle. Yeah, because the thing is, I think he might know. Cause he has a type, so he's going for them. Yes. But I don't know if my thing is that's the other thing. If you got them lined up, if you if she's not the only one, that's the bigger question. Are there a bunch of wills that he is getting added to? My thing is, is this like is he doing this to multiple? Right. My thing. My thing is that's cool. That means he's he is the con artist, but it doesn't mean he's a murderer. Why? Yes, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I think he's a con artist, but I don't know if he's a murderer because he got all them lined up. He might just be like, yo, Playing the I'm hit- yeah, he's like, I'm hitting him. Like, Judy gonna die on Tuesday. <laughs> Mary gonna die probably by, like, next year. But those bags gonna hold me for at least, like, I'm cool. And who and knows I how even, long? And I'm in. And when he's like, and I kind of fuck with the old ones. I kind of do like yeah, them. Yeah, he definitely. He had he, a real relationship. Yeah, that's a very he, real edible sort of he didn't know what she liked just because it was almost like part of him, his his personality. It was like it was why he was the concierge was because he was always meant to serve. Like that was like part of his thing, and not in a like a you know slave type deal, but like he was a kind of a people pleaser in a sense. Yes, you know what I'm saying. He's per- yeah, he's that perfect for that job. job. He's perfect yeah. for yeah. that job exactly. But there's also like a whole like industry. Like a whole community, because at one point right. he calls upon them. Yes, like right. there's like a like a secret order. So I don't I don't yeah. think <laughs> you know what I mean. I think right. he was just like yo, he was just into some weird shit. But I I, <laughs> I think he was about that. Like I think he really liked that. Like he was <laughs> like yeah, I'm. I like these ladies. Well, but no, no, but not even just her them. Like I mean, like I think he liked being of service. Like yes. he, oh, if, if he was like, like that's what, he was that's like not mean. even just subservient, just of service. Like he was just a fucking plug on so much shit. For the, he was like the guy to go to it's at true. the hotel. You're there. He's like, yeah, I can. I got this. I got that. I got what's up. I'm There's that. multiple scenes where he's just shot, just like walking in a straight line, like talking to people, like left and right. Yeah, he's just giving. He's giving the order. He got and he's got that level. It was also like that's where his authority reigned. Do you think he was a lobby boy? At one point, yeah, the lobby boy. I thought they started off as a lobby boy. Then they say, "Of course I did." After, because he asks him, remember, and then I think he waits until like a few scenes way later, way later. But that makes it that makes it even like even weirder though, because if it 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 makes that position more mythical, because it's like if they all start as lobby boys. And then what, we, what about when we see the society? What happened like, to you? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like what what is? What did you do to become I, this? Yeah, I think there's a deeper message here. I think <laughs> no, I think it's like a little more period than you give him credit for. I think he, I don't think he did it. To me, I think he is. Definitely a con artist, but I give him enough credit that I say... He's not a murderer. I say that Madame D was, like, his only real, uh, like, lover. Oh, Where, yeah, like, I thought I, that's what you were saying, love. Yeah, I don't think that he was, like, getting on the wheels of these other ladies. Was he just enjoying some 
old Duchess Poon at the hotel. Like, <laughs> he yes, definitely absolutely. was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they show as much in the film. But I think that he is like 50%, 51% like a good guy, ultimately. Yeah. When he, when you when you check off all the boxes, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he scores fifty one. There's a few scenes where he really like gets real, and you can see that there's definitely a person under. Like him. like when they first get out of the spoiler prison. spoiler alert. Well, I, when they first get out of prison, that's yeah. the next section. Yeah. So that's perfect. Um, at the okay, so this is the synopsis for the next part. At the Grand Budapest Hotel, Gustav is arrested for Madame D's murder. Her best her uh, he befriends a gang during his imprisonment. And the men plot their escape. Gustav has Zero place digging tools inside pastries made by Agatha, Zero's girlfriend. Um, Gustav and the others dig their way out and disperse. In a pivotal scene, a recently escaped Gustav goes on a racist and xenophobic rant targeted at Zero after he forgets to bring a set of supplies needed for the journey back to the hotel. In response, Zero explains that he's only in Zubraka because his family was killed in a war. So, yeah, you were about to... Uh, bring that up, but in that scene, Gustav um, really like cuts back and forth. He's incredibly harsh and cruel to Zero, and then once he realizes, like he kind of gets snaps back into reality after that point. Yeah, he has like a shift. Or uh, well, he... although you could also say it's like just shows how two faced he is that he just instantly started apologizing after being so harsh. But to me, it, it felt sincere. Yeah, it was definitely it definitely felt genuine. Yeah, no, I think, and I think it was he, real. I think he, he just like he's like, oh shit, that was racist. Yeah, he's like, I just did the racism. Damn, I'm yep. a dick. Because he apologized on behalf of the hotel. Yes, he's which like, is and real. That me, that that's that's from, from him. Yeah, it's like, from him. Exactly. You gotta, it's legitimate. Yeah. It's so because he was a lobby boy there. Yeah, yeah it's like it's very you can read that line very cynically, like that. That it's like a superficial yeah. apology, nah, but, but coming from him, from him, that is a it very means very real things. Yeah, that's I think that like I I think about that with like individuals in general, like how you like you can't apply like rules to everybody. Yeah, because, like general rules because everybody speaks because people yeah because people and people mean different things for different reasons. Like you said, mm-hmm. you don't know like that Two could can sound say the super, same thing yeah, and not mean like that a, could yeah not mean the same thing. That yes. could be super super. Ooh, excuse me, that could be super superficial, that statement, but absolutely. if you know that his character from the movie, that is super real to him. That's, like, not a game to him. He's not playing. He's like, nah, like, for real, like, I apologize on behalf of the hotel. Like, that's like my, that's like him behalf of, that's like the version of him uh, putting that on his soul. Like, putting it absolutely. out, he's like, he's they like, even oh, he's like saying, like, on God. Oh, God. That's yeah. him being like, on God. Oh, my bro. mama. Yeah, like, he said, on oh, my <laughs> mama. Like, he said, yeah. on me, bro. Like, hotel. on me. Like, sure. basically, on me, because the hotel to him is him. Yes. He's like, it's all on me, yeah. bro. It's all he has, really. For real. <laughs> okay, um, so, the question I've written down for this section, I think, um, touches at a big part of the film, and it's pertaining to zero status as a refugee. It's... Why does the the distinction between immigrant and refugee sway Gustav's perceptions? Um, what does this say about liberalism, statism, and neutrality in times of war? So, yeah, like I think with Gustav, it sort of slaps him back into reality. And he realizes that he was being racist and, uh, and just overly harsh of zero. But I do think that the scene can be analyzed in a way... That it really shows 
people's political attitudes in reality. Like, like when they look at a poor, like this, from the perception of someone who's more reactionary, like they look at a um, immigrant from Mexico, and they probably will not have nearly the sympathy that they have to someone who's like a war refugee. Yeah. But for some reason, there's this like distinction. Well, it's a slap in the face, though. It's it's like, especially if you if you're talking about a, a war refugee, but like. If you're complaining over like you didn't bring the right cologne and the, and the right champagne, like I'm picking yes. you up from you breaking out of jail. We both could go to jail for this, so it's like forever. What, yeah, forever. Like <laughs> why are you why are you complaining about this? I mean that's like, it, like that's entitlement. You know, like right, that was that was like it's a, like that was a, it was a, a critique of the moment. privilege right there. Yeah, like, it, was it was a like, critique. It was like nigga, you wanted to come out of prison to get roses and and. And baby oil on your face. And you had a scene for this. You wanted some. You wanted some crystal when you caught when you came out, nigga. We're in the fucking middle of the snow, in whatever village. These niggas are coming actually right now to pick us the fuck up if we don't get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You're complaining about what? But I mean, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like it does mimic a lot of niggas like political shit from like even today. But uh, yeah, you continue on that. What? Does, doesn't zero only make like a cent a day? It makes very little. I think yeah, it's ten it's cents or something. Ten cent a day, yeah. but it's like, yo, that's insane. How much are the Mendels? Probably can't even. <laughs> right, the Mendel. really expensive you know? pastries. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I would just say that the film, re- to me, really suddenly got political more in like the fourth act, mm-hmm. which um, is the next question. But they really introduce it with this scene. And I think that it really adds a third dimension to the story where I mentioned earlier where it's not just about Gustav and Zero and Agatha, but it's it's this grand story that's set inside an even grander frame of this nation that's lost. At the very beginning, the first thing you see is like, this is a story about Zubrokia, which is a former nation. So, like, you already automatically know, like, this is a story about a place that doesn't even exist anymore, geopolitically. Mm-hmm. It still exists, like, physically, yeah, yeah materially, <laughs> but it's, like, in a way, and, and that just ties into it just kind of being more of, like, a memory or a story that, you know, just, you're not even quite which is kind of what I meant. individual person. That's what I meant, though, when I was saying about, like, the, the idea of, like, stories being passed out through generations, it's like, it's still alive. The Grand Budapest House tale is still alive. Yes. In that sense. Like, it's how you keep the legend going. Yeah, because it's the like... The legend of it is still... Regardless of what, if the legend has changed, the legend of the Grand Budapest Hotel is alive. Yeah, people might be saying slightly different things yeah, about it to make exactly. it more relatable in their current political but or, like, the, yeah. cultural context. But exactly. it's like the story about the hotel. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll go into the next section. Hold on, what was, I'm sorry, could you what? repeat the last question I said? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> it was, what does the distinction about, uh, what does the distinction between immigrant and refugee, why does it sway Gustav's perception? Okay. And what does that say about liberalism, statism, and neutrality in times of war? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, so, Def- so yeah, I had, to, I had to think about this one again. 
To truly be neutral, I feel like you have to have no side. You know what I mean? And I think what what uh, Gustav sides with is like an ideal. Agree, because yeah, there's and, a quality and, of privilege with neutrality. Neutrality is an yeah. illusion. He, he's, he's neutrality yeah. is the maintaining of the status quo. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, you're you're still picking a side. Yeah, and the status quo might change while you're neutral, and that's and you'll probably like your opinion will change for you. Like time yeah. will change well, your opinion. I if you really of, stay neutral. Like, okay, yeah. The time well, will change your beliefs. Neutral feels like the greater good to me. Okay. Well, I, that's it, a different. Yeah, that's, that's how. That's, that's how. Yeah, to me, I, I was more like Switzerland in World War Two. Like, okay, you. It's more literal. It's yeah, more like. Yeah, this situation. isn't a like polit like political context. I, well, I'm thinking. I don't think he's like looking at it from a political angle. He's no. He's, I, he's I'm not putting this it. on Gustav, but I'm just using this as a jumping off point. Oh, okay. Because like, yeah, I I believe that Gustav ultimately does care about like a common good. And is like ultimately a good person, so that's See, why I think he like he does correct himself and back off and yeah. and, and apologize and change what he says, and his I, actions reflect that. Like he ends up dying for zero, yeah. like at the end. So like that's very real. He yeah, it was like neutral in the sense of like, all right, I can't do this. He was like a con man. He was like a thief. He was like Aladdin. Yes. In the sense of like, yo, I'm gonna get my bag and go, but hard as hell. I'm gonna sacrifice how to do it. He tried to utilize his privilege, and then he ultimately sacrificed his privilege for zero. Yeah, yeah, he went to jail for that, huh? He died at the end. He no, it happens again, and they shoot him. Yeah, it gets dark, but no, but yeah, ultimately, I think that no, they arrest him at the hotel. Yeah, they arrest him at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, I'll move on to the fourth. After a heartfelt apology from Gustav, the two set out to prove Gustav's innocence with the assistance of a fraternity of concierges. The Society of the Krauskies, where there's like a million celebrity cameos. Shout out Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray's in it. And, oh, Bill Murray is a complete uh, person. I was trying Owen to Owen Wilson. There were like, so, it was like too many celebrity cameos in a row. I was like, what? I couldn't keep track. Um, they learned that Madame had a missing second will, which will only take effect if she's murdered. Gustav Zero and Agatha arrive back at the Grand Budapest to find it converted into a military headquarters. Agatha sneaks in to retrieve Boy with Apple to, uh, to sell it. As she tries to leave, Dimitri enters the hotel and spots her with the painting. Gustav and Zero rush to save Agatha from harm as she escapes, with Dimitri, or escapes from Dimitri. He opens fire on them, initiating an intense but confusing shootout with Zubrokian troops. Agatha's attempt to escape leaves her and Zero hanging from a balcony before they fall uh, safely into a van of pastries. What? Uh, I was laughing at the shootout. No, yeah, yeah, it was though. Like <laughs> no one, no one got hit. The shootout is like so goofy. It's like legit, like four minutes or something of them shooting each other, and no one gets hurt. It's like when your neighbor is popping like the same fireworks. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like that. No one gets hit <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's how you they know. end up just like running out of ammo and chasing each other. But it adds, it kind of adds to like some, a person telling a story. It's like, yo, no one got, no one got hit. No, it was a yes, crazy ass exactly. shootout. Nah, bro, somebody died in the shoot. That's one of the scenes that really makes it feel like a story you're being told. Because it's like that's just like so. There was a crazy shootout, but no one died. It just sounds like mm-hmm. 
something. Exactly. You're like, well, I don't know. No one nobody? Shot? 300 shots? And nobody got Okay. Not a single body? Nobody got hit, at least. All right. Um, I think it sucked. <laughs> yeah, y'all think it sucked. Stop doing that. I guess, I guess it's better for the safety that y'all suck, but okay. y'all suck. So, for my, my question for that section is, how does the looming war in Zubralka recontextualize the story of Grand Budapest? Why use a fictional state conflict rather than a historical one? So, yeah. I'd say that was a pretty big turning point in the movie for me because they cut to the Grand Budapest Hotel and suddenly there's what are, like, Nazi-adjacent flags hanging from the building. And you're like, oh, the war is here. You've been hearing about the war. There have been characters mentioning it. Zero's a refugee from the war displaced, but it's like, oh, that's happening over there. We, that's not here. We don't have to worry about that. And then suddenly, the hotel has been yeah, it's at home. <laughs> they're there. They're essentially Nazis. Their insignia is like two lightning bolts that look like the SS insignia, but it's like three jagged, like three spikes instead of two. Mm -hmm. But. It's I feel like it's just a. Uh, I mean, I think that could be like looked at as like another layer. It's like a story within a story. To me, a story. It, it's like, like where the, the story really becomes like grand. It's, it's like another, oh, they're stealing yeah, this painting metaphor. from Nazis. Like they are stealing this painting from a group of Nazis <laughs> occupying their country. Like that makes it like an insane story. Wasn't there a movie out about that recently? Oh I yeah, feel, I feel about, like Matt Damon is in. Yeah, about um, they like they like found paintings that were like stolen by Nazis during the French occupation. Yeah, they were stealing them back. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, I mean that is like some real shit that really I happened. Digress. That's what the story is kind of about. Actual shit, like the Nazis did, like steal and destroy a lot of famous art. So like this is like it's not even a far fetched. Like this, this probably happened. It's very, yeah. it's very surreal. It's like a if it if it is like that narrative, mm -hmm. it's a surrealist tale, telling. Well, that's because you know, it's you know what I mean. Because it's like it's like a period piece that's not fully like because it's like yeah. This is what I meant by like why like is it a, a fictional? Why I set the city or the film in a fictional town, a fictional country? Well, because I was gonna say that's like almost like coming to America esque to make it fun. Like, it was fun, but yeah, then at the would, end we realized, like, yo, this is fucked up. I agree. I think if this it were set... In, I think to make it just that much more fantastic. If it were set in Poland or something, it, it would not be real. a fun story. It would, it would have to be feel, a drama. Yeah, it would literally feel real. It needed yes. to... It, needed to, it, it needed disarms a sense, it. And yeah, it, it was disarming. It needed yeah. a sense of fantastic. What's that movie? Fantastic. Yes. Vin Diesel in it. He's, it's like a sick. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. The, the war movie with Vin Diesel in it, and it's like that's Shia LaBeouf in it. Or no, no, you're no, talking no. about what? wait his first. Were you talking about Saving Private Ryan? Yes, Saving ben Private Diesel's Ryan. Yes, he won like a reality TV show or something. Yo, that that movie. You're going on our list. I haven't seen a lot. Yeah, of that you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan? Hey, that's going on the list. We're hey, watching that. That one. That was really intense though. Like we gotta put that one far out. It's gotta be yeah. sunny. No, it has He's to be a nice day. Yeah, we gotta save it for happy Bro, days. Bro, any any war movie that's like trying to be close to detail is is sucks. Well, I felt it, like it's pain for I, real. I wrote this question because I felt like I'm hanging out with my friends. We're watching a Wes Anderson movie. We're gonna have a good night, you know. And then I've got all of this like 
tension in the back of my mind because of the current state of the world and geopolitical conflict and internal domestic conflict. That's like the movie. And yeah. and even in, then, <laughs> even I even still see it when I watch this. Like that's all I could notice when I was done watching it. Was like, damn, that movie was like a sad war. That's a, it's a sad war movie. Like super interesting I used to think of it as like an art heist, and now I'm like, it's I don't know. Maybe that's just because that's like what my mind has been. But I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. Like. It's really sad, like, the war just completely, like, because the story's about zero. It's like how I think of No Name's music or her first album, maybe. It's just a sad smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, yes, this movie is a sad smile. Sad smile. Absolutely. It's like you're really just trying to grin and bury it. But, like, it's interesting, though, because that hope gets negated in the end. That shit is that shit that, is fucking hilarious. That some sad smile movie. like matters because it's like that smiling through the sadness. Not even on some like faking your emotions type shit, but just like well, like knowing or the try the hope that it will get better and being like the future. It's a time to keep going and you and niggas just kept going because like and and it was we it was it was funny because they like in ridiculous way. Re- in ways reinforce like you know like childhood like fable-ish virtues just like strict loyalty to your <laughs> friends and you know what i'm saying shit like bro on some anime shit yeah bro I almost, today bro i almost tweeted i was like i almost tweeted literally this i was like not on i was like not on no sore shit but my friends make me brave it's Facts. true hey it's big blue. big kingdom Hearts shit around here Real yeah, shit, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, no cap. No that cap. that's like top five games ever. If you yeah, haven't played it, you should play it. Yeah. You can get like if you, all of them for like forty dollars now or something. Yeah. Facts. The future's crazy. One, two, it's and two birth dubs. by sleep. Legendary. Facts. Uh, oh damn. All right, continue. All right, that was on. our brief plug. Of our childhood, <laughs> I had something to say. That was anytime fine. Kingdom Hearts. What was it? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember now. Oh, I was just gonna say, but Kingdom Hearts is fire too, though. It is. Yes. So we can take a, like a long digression for Kingdom Hearts. Anytime so. we can bring that up in a conversation. Yeah, like, we're here. Okay. Um. So this is for the last act of the film. Um, Madame's second will, making Gustave the beneficiary of her fortune, is found attached to the back of Boy with Apple. He su- uh, succeeds her as owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel and becomes one of the wealthiest men in Zubrauka. While traveling by train, he, Zero, and Agatha encounter soldiers who destroy Zero's refugee documents. Gustav tries to fend off the soldiers, but is later shot dead. Gustav, Zero, Gustav's sole heir, inherits his fortune. He retains the now decrepit Grand Budapest in the memory of Agatha, who died of an illness with her infant son. The experiences are incorporated into the author's celebrated book, and the film ends with the young girl reading the Grand Budapest Hotel next to his memorial. This is when I realized the movie is sad as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, when I wrote... It, when I was, It like, drops, like... Yeah, it's like... Like, a light-hearted, sort of, like, suspenseful movie. Within then, ten minutes. It's like, like oh! End. Right, this, first, this sucks. This sucks. Your story sucks, bro. They tell you up front, though, because... It ends the, bad. The 1968 scene... The author is like describing the Grand Budapest, and when he meets Zero, he said that I've never seen somebody who looks so lonely. In, in, yes, yeah. exactly. So, like in a room full of lonely people, he like something in his eyes told me he was like one of the saddest. Like people. he was or, the loneliest. Exactly, and then it's like, yeah, they do tell you up front. 
Well, it's like if you've seen like so many things, so many great things, so many wonderful things happen in in one hotel or one working place. It's like if you work that was at like a, place a year for of his life. Years. That was like a year of his life. Yeah, but his family died. Then he came to Zubrokia, started working at the Grand Budapest, met Gustav, met the love of his life. Had this crazy adventure where broke, he yeah, broke his stole paintings from yeah, stole him out of prison, stole a painting from fascists, and then Gustav died protecting him. Then his he, wife got pregnant, and then well, and he became the heir. That's yeah, became the heir. Then became the heir of the hotel. Then his wife got pregnant, and then she died, and so did the baby. Yo, that's that's sick. And then that that sucks. Like that is in the movie is like. Yeah, I mean, like that's a crazy life. That Whoa. is like I think it's interesting I'm too because how symbolic the hotel itself was for for each person who held that position in the sense that like yes the Gustav like it meant it like you said like he, oh. if he put something on the hotel he was basically putting it on himself it was like nah bro like well, this means this is worth my life to me get, then then. It's weird because it's almost about just how much life was lived there, but like you know, then he, the zero, gets it, and it, through his first year, he experiences all these things. But it's like the hotel is all of those things for him. The hotel is Gustav, and it is Agatha, and it is yes. it's well, everything. It's everything where he, where he, it's where he met his first love. It's where he met his mentors. It's where he met. It's where everything that shaped what would be the rest of his life started. It was the birth it was like a new birthplace for him because it was also after his first his his family got killed and he left and went to a new country. That was his new birth it's, in a new place. It's kinda it's weird it's to like think ashes. of it like that. Cause like no, yeah. it's not it's not weird to think of it like that. I'm I'm thinking from like the sense of like you said it was only a year. Like, the whole story is just a year, but we don't hear about the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? Yeah, you're not even shown the up most. now. Like, Zero is, like, in a good position. Like, bro, you went from this, but that whole year was, like, maybe the greatest year of his life. And with worst. like, trauma. Greatest and worst. Yeah, but we were just talking about that, though. Like, okay, we getting a little esoteric or kind of deep. But, like, no, we were just talking about how, like, Synchronicity is a thing, and how it happens and manifests in like weird ways, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of it. Like in this story, we were talking to, about like frequency, like the, the ups way, and downs. Yeah, and like that right year of his life is the epitome of having these insane the, peak and valley experiences. Yeah, the crest and fall is huge for him. Yeah. It, it's for really, sure. it's and really that's like when you were like forged. Yeah, but but post but I think, I think, post worse, like post losing your family. And then post losing your like mental getting a new family, yeah, then losing them, yeah. yeah, like that's essentially he was like what Judah. it is, you know. <laughs> but with immense wealth and in like, like you cool, like your life is, you don't have to suffer. But then he's mm. doing the same thing Gustav was, and he's staying right there in the service quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little. Uh, it's like he's I, staying in Gustav's room in a closet. Yeah, and it's just he's just like yeah, but he's staying. But that's but that's what I mean. But it's not like, just Gustav's room. It's like exactly. every concierge. It's Every like, lobby boy, even, though, too. Like, yeah. and even it's important to remember they're the lobby boys. Mm-hmm. I feel like. No, no. I was gonna say it's even just like how you said, like it was like that was just the year, that year, and you don't even 
you know, think about all the risk here, but, like, it's, like, so symbolic of just, like, never forgetting where you came from type shit. Like, you just, like... Absolutely. His this cr- is really where... Like, it's, like, never forgetting who he was. Like, he's, like, I don't even forget... Be- he, the way he told the story in such detail, he's, like, I don't remember... I don't I don't remember how old he said he was. He's, like... I don't remember... He's pretty old at that point. No, I mean... When he... When during he was, his story? Yeah, during his story. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, but... Yeah, it's like, what, he was like 20, maybe? Maybe a little bit younger. I thought he was like 14 for a second. But yeah, I was like, no, nah, I, I, maybe, I, maybe like 17. I think he's supposed 16, to be, yeah, like 17. 16, yeah, 17, 17 18. But it's like. Like straight up, like, just an adult. Yeah, but he can, he can, he, he tells that story. And he tells it with such detail. And it's like, yo, this year defines me. Like, for the rest of what you, like, everything. Like, mm-hmm. That, like, small room that he stays in is, like, I don't know. It's, like, symbolic of, like, bigger shit to me. Because it's, like, you know what I mean? He's, like, he's staying. He's, like, yeah, I I could be in the presidential suite. I could be wherever. But, like, I'm going to stay right here in the the service room. And it's, like, a part of, once again, like, the idea of kind of service, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's him, like, Staying humble. Well, that's what what servitude is. Like, so I think we've all worked in the service industry. Yes. Like, I work work at a grocery store right now. So, and... I worked at a grocery store for two years. Yeah, and it's very, it's very weird being in a, in a neighborhood that's like majority like white people and given the state of like the the, climate, yeah, the, the yeah, uh, sure. politics yeah. right now is very weird even with my friends that are white like not so much with you or like Derek shout out Derek but uh, yeah bro I I try and do my job the best and I look at it as like how maybe Gustav or Zero would look at it as like I'm only here to serve I'm at work like I can compartmentalize enough to where it's like yes. I don't just pop off at the mouth or I don't just like you know, cause I could, I could be really, I could really have that energy to where it's like conflict. I mean, pretty much yeah. every but day working uh, service like that, or like retail. I mean, it's kind of both. They're it's almost like interchangeable. Yeah, because even the well, expectation of retail workers is very high. Well, even regardless, of, yeah, regardless of yeah. race, like if you want to look at it from like a capitalist standpoint, how. Is set up is like the customer's always right. Right. Yes, exactly. Which ultimately just means like the worker is always subservient. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I live to serve you. And, and that's what you portray. So, oh, I'm sorry. The price is wrong. Well, you can have that free. Yes, exactly. Here, you could just have it. Come back. It's, all it is is come back and stay here. Mm-hmm. And Gustav is like, oh, well, you think I'm attractive. You think I'm boy with Apple. Well, come on. We do boy with Apple. Come back as long as you come back and stay. Cause this what I live off of, and this what you live off of. It's weird synchronicity shit. It mm-hmm. sucks. It, it doesn't suck. I say I, I say things in like a negative context, and uh, well, it's it's balance. You know, it's like frustrating. Yeah, it's just kind of it's angsty. It's a little angsty. <laughs> okay, um, so I've got a 
question now that we've like gone over the whole film and it is uh considering the film's relatively light-hearted tone the narrative is ultimately one of loss nostalgia and the fading of memories how did the aesthetics of the film shape the tone and serve the lasting impact of the story so pretty much just like what is the consequence of it being the synthesis of being a ultimately tragic story told through a successive series of retellings. But it's also stylish, colorful, quirky. Um, how do those serve each other? And how does it shape the end, like the end, ending impact of it? I got it. So, like, I think when he, being, going from lobby boy and being, like, the guy who manages the hotel and runs the hotel, and I really know how to work this motherfucker. Like, from the ground up. I know how to do every job. And this is how I want to tell the story. This is how I want to present it. Because at the end of the day, it still makes the Grand Budapest look like a great place to stay. I mean, the story is ultimately about the hotel. Exactly. Like, and, 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 in and a very weird way. The Grand Budapest is never tarnished. It never looks bad. Because some trashy shit is happening at the Grand Budapest. It was like, occupied by fascists at some point. <laughs> yeah, like, like some fucked up shit is happening. Yeah. Like, but it never, it never tarnishes. It never makes it seem like this is a bad place to be. Every Trump Tower. Yes. Um, anyway, <laughs> occupied by fascists. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, first off, I mean, just as a like aesthetically, like I think the grandness of the hotel itself just reels you in. It just looks beautiful. Like all of the shop, beautiful, the rug, presented beautiful, the color scheme, the interiors. Like, so the interiors are fucking gaudy, like they're fire. And then even how they label things is just interesting, just like the way they, you know what I'm saying? That's in a lot of his movies. The labels, yes, everything. There's lots of big like, legible details, and your eye will kind of like wander around. Frame shots will like me last a weird, like a shots very, last long. It gives sometimes like while I was watching this, I don't know if y'all got any of this, but I got a weird like Doctor Seuss feel. Yes, you know, definitely. That's how I feel. Like, so about as goofy as you can get with film, still shooting real thing. I don't know well, how I'm there, trying to say. There are certain scenes where it's like, but yes, it has even like literally. Yes, the there are even scenes with shot. miniatures. Yeah, like yeah, I can see a shot like that, like some of the shots being like, what was that? Wasn't there a real? Um, there was a cat in the hat. You remember that cat? In the hat? Mm-hmm. I could see. Wes Anderson doing a Cat in the Hat movie is what I'm saying. It would probably be pretty good. Like shot the way that, yeah. that Grand Budapest was shot. I could see a Cat in the Hat being shot. He that could way. do. And it would make total sense. The Lorax, which is another example that's, of a story that starts off really that. dark, ends that really that dark. That's a good movie. Oh yeah. We add that to the list. I haven't. I don't think I've ever you read heard it? it. I don't. Yeah, I don't even know the story of the Lorax. Oh, we should definitely add that. Oh, that's on the list, bro. That's, hey. Yeah, I'll we'll read it. Yeah, we will read it. We will do critical theory analysis of fucking <laughs> the Lorax. The Lorax is fire. Yeah, that was good. The Lorax is that's, fire. I'm, that's on the list. And there's two movies because there's an older, mm-hmm. there's an older, like, like 
old a drawn version, like a real yeah. drawn version, a real Whoa. animated version. And, then <laughs> and there's, there's a version with Danny DeVito? Who's it? What? Who's the, who voices the Lorax? Is it Danny oh. DeVito? It might have been. I'm not 100% sure. I may have, if it's or maybe not, it's the new one. if it's not, you would be good at it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Anyways. But, but yeah. yes, it has a very Seuss vibe. It gives me a Seuss vibe. Like, But anyways, then like, I think uh, uh, it lends itself to it like, once again, like, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, uh, but like, it is kind of um, serious and the like extra beautiful aesthetic in a weird way adds the whimsicalness of it though to like balance that because like. It's not saving Private Ryan. That's what I was yeah, gonna say. It ha- it's there's like, like it has movies a layer that like pulled back. Yeah, there's like movies that have you know obviously like super visceral scenery to match yes. how serious the movie is. This kind of took the opposite, you know, kind of uh, a strategy and was like, we're gonna make things like look way more lighthearted and kind of pleasant to your eye at least. Mm-hmm. Then it's almost what the undertones, teasing. yeah. Then what the undertones of, and it call, it almost makes sense in a weird way, because Zero tells it from his perspective, but also at the same time, there's a weird like omniscient kind of feel of him because. Gives, I mean, like, you would assume... He's a watcher. Well, I'm saying, you assume, though, that, like, Gustav told him this stuff, but there are things that he's talking about, about Gustav, that are either speculation and or... Shit he knows. No, but I mean, like, when he's in prison and he's telling that story, you weren't there. Oh, fact. At that point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> is what right. I'm saying. Yeah, there are parts hey, of it that are you... It's yeah, hyperbole. It's yeah, like, like it's either, hyperbole. like, I'm... Hyperbole. Yeah, either, like, but. he... T- Gustav told me... And I'm reiterating, which further does the whole like reiteration of story thing, or I'm speculating, whatever. But uh, uh, I say that to say that like the undertones of what's going on, regardless, was like way darker than what the scenery was like painted as. Yeah. Like, cause even in prison. He's like being with the dudes, like having plan. Like hatch, he hatches a, they hatch a cool plan and get the fuck out of prison. It's cool. It's like he almost had no problems in there. <laughs> he was I mean, chilling. In, in in war, like people who've actually been in war, his servitude attitude helped well, him in there too. They how they describe it is weird. Because like I'm you so could, glad you said that. You can you can feel like the the like the weight of like yo I experienced some fucked up shit, but they never tell it like it's like fucked up shit. Like particularly like a lot of soldiers. Like I've talked mm-hmm. talking to yeah. people that been in like weird ass fucked up situations, and it's like, well, it it was fun, but then they're like they got this look in their eyes where it's like they're not looking at you, they're just looking at whatever they just are thinking about. Yeah, I. I will never forget listening to my granddad talk about uh, being in World War II. And it reminded me of the tone of this film where he would be telling a story and it would almost be done in a lighthearted way. Like he's making light of the situation. 
but then he would hit a point in the story where he couldn't anymore. Yeah. And his tone would shift and slow down and he would get sad for like one like moment. And then kind of like know. and then kind of wrap it up and then be like, "All right, yeah, we're done talking about that." Like I'm done talking. Like and that's kind of how the movie feels. Because that's like Zero is telling him this story and is going on and on and on and on, and he's then hits the sad part and is like, "Oh yeah, and this happened." And then that's it. it's like when like, he first he talks really about Agatha. Wraps it up. Yeah, yeah, he avoids it, it, talking about Agatha. It comes out of the story, like it, it stops mm-hmm. the story. Like they cut back to nineteen sixty eight. He's yeah. like, "Oh, I haven't even mentioned Agatha yet." And he's and like, he was, like avoiding it. He's yeah. crying. And yeah, it's. This, it, it reminded me that a lot of that because when you hear people tell serious stories like that, I think they do. At least I, I do this when I talk about something serious. I'll usually talk about it in a little detached way. No one likes talking about their own problems in this like serious, brooding tone. I mean, yeah. like not for different you, reasons. Yeah, yeah, but I think usually people yeah, want it to makes you want to cry now. Yeah, Just talking, think, like thinking about. Yeah, people usually want to talk about their problems. Disarming it a little bit, maybe to just preserve their own mental and you know, oh, yeah. you know, not as bad as it sounds. But then every once in a while you hit something and it's like, yeah, I can't talk about that without it just being and just without it heavy. Hurting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like, gonna hurt. Period. It's like, yeah, bro, my eyes about to well up, bro. I don't mm-hmm. know what to tell you. <laughs> I look yeah. fine. Low I'm key, not. Lucky, I had a moment with Ant the other day. He was like, oh, I was like, damn. Really? Yeah. He was like, I seen like, okay, and just. For reference, when y'all when y'all tell me stuff like that, it's like it's a it's like a weird kind of gratitude. You know what I mean? Because it's like you feel comfortable with me enough to like uh-huh. just go here, yeah, just to even you know just to even talk about it. I mean, like that's a not very even vulnerable in de- detail. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, yeah, and I, I respect that a lot. And I, uh, yeah. To me, it's always humbling because you have an experience like that with somebody. Like I have an experience like that with you, and it's just like, yeah, it's just a reminder. Like, oh, this person is as real as me. Yeah, they've got the same like burdens and worries and uh, like anxieties and pain. Like, well, like getting yeah. getting <laughs> getting back to like Gustav. Like when he gets out of when he gets out of prison, when he breaks out of prison, it's like. I think that he has one of those moments. Yes, absolutely. I think and, so, and yeah. it is a really big shift because he did give his life for his. Yeah, it, that's why. I, like when we were talking about he stayed like, consistent or not, the I'm like movie. he sacrificed himself for zero. I can't say that guy is he's a bad guy. Right. Not at all. He did he do bad well, things? Of course, of course. In some ways, but he ultimately is very changed by the end. But uh, welcome. That's about all I got for the movie. Nah, for sure. It was just a good movie. I'm glad it's, y'all like, it's made great. me watch it. It's beautiful. It's cool. I think it got like two Oscars or something. It's good. Oh, it's go, like, go watch it. It has a good soundtrack, good visuals. I think we made... Oh, oh, tell them about the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack, I'm not 100% sure on the details, but it was like invented folk music. Like they wanted like uh-huh. new folk music for this For that country? country. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny as hell. <laughs> um, but that's probably... Uh, I mean, it's a good movie. Good movie. I'm I, looking forward to I watching think, more stuff by him. I think when y'all hear this podcast, y'all gonna think it's way more serious than it is. Yes, like I definitely. When, when definitely. you watch the movie, you're not gonna like. This is us being overly analytical, trying not. Yeah. In, in, no, it's, yeah. it's just how we are. For sure. I, I'm really a deep diver when it comes to like 
shit like this and people. Okay, let's okay. sign off. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. We love you. Uh, okay, so yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of Community Garden. What was that? Um, it was pretty fun. I like talking about movies. Peace yeah. from Dirty. And afterwards, uh, next time we're going to be talking about not a movie, probably like some, You're positive se- some random topic. I don't know. But then yeah. It might be serious. It might be light. It might be all of that. It will probably know. be all of it, yeah. Community Garden's ministry. Alright guys, well, until next time, we'll see you later. Love you from the community.